Hello, I'm Peter Ayers, and you're listening to Stages, the podcast that converses... The reality of that eight-show-a-week eight eight slog is really hard. When I start on a character, I have to draw them, and I'm, I'm not an artist. This is an effect built in myth and mystery. So you'd be sitting in this tiny little bio box with radiators all around you. Which was a funny thing because I don't think that play would have happened in that way if it wasn't at Griffin. You're a bit different to the other girls in this area. Yes, I thought, yes, I am. That was the days when they could smell an actor or a singer and think, oh, I've got six weeks. My sisters really taught me that, that I had to be versatile. This ostrich, pink ostrich feather sticking up out of my hair, out of this wig. My first career, as it were, was preparation for my second career. And her face was beaming. It was just beaming at me. I hadn't lost any of my passion or love for it, so it's been a joy to talk to you. Thank you very much. Hello, I'm Peter Ayers and welcome to Stages, the podcast that converses with creatives about craft and career. Justin Smith is an actor responsible for many of the vivid portrayals seen on Australian stages. Capable of roles from paternal to villainous, he is a character actor of tremendous range. He made his professional debut in 1992 in a spectacular production of Jesus Christ Superstar, alongside John Farnham and Kate Sobrano. In 1998, he was cast as Mark in the premier Australian production of Rent, the musical juggernaut that captured imaginations around the world. In a serendipitous piece of casting, Justin would later play the role of Tony Elliott, brother of Billiot, in the original Australian production of Billy Elliott. A decade or so later, Justin would return to the musical to play Billy's father, Jackie. Justin has also appeared in many non-musical roles for Belvoir, Bell Shakespeare, Griffin and the STC in an impressive succession of notable performances. In the past year, Justin has continued to craft indelible performance, most recently in Into the Woods at Belvoir, Dubbo Championship Wrestling at the Hayes Theatre Company and Wujang, Not the Past, for Bangara Dance Theatre. Justin is presently wearing the shoes of Australia's 21st Prime Minister, Edward Gough Whitlam, in Squabologic's world premiere production of The Dismissal, an extremely serious musical comedy. It's a delight to welcome Justin Smith to The Stages podcast. Um, your day off must be a, a, a very cherished time. It is. I love Mondays at the moment. It, you're only getting Monday off at the moment? Just the Monday, oh. yeah. That's pretty standard in the music theatre, Peter. Is it? Well, Isn't it nowadays? They pack, pack all the shows. Oh, that's the true. They do a Monday and Tuesday off sometimes, don't they? Yeah, yeah, Beauty yeah. Beauty and the Beast get two off. Yeah. I can't imagine doing four shows on the weekend. I've never had to do a show that's four shows on the weekend. That would drive me crazy, I think. If you had a little cameo, would it be all right? That'd be fine. That'd be good. But but the 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 weight of the dismissal rests on your shoulders. Well, it's actually shared shoulders. Shared. But 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 you've got a big sing and a big. A it's big a big present. sing for me. Yeah. yeah. But I just get it. I get most of the big singing out in the first fifteen minutes, and then I can just you know chat my way through until the finale. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're playing Edward Gough Whitlam, who was the twenty-first Prime Minister, indeed, of Australia. Big shoes to fill. Yes. Um, My shoes are, are, short, are smaller than his, for sure. <laughs> um, mm. Actors have various ways into a character. I mean, uh, with Goff, there's certainly a, a, a really strong imprint on our psyches of what who Goff was yeah. and, and is. Yeah. Um, how did you find your way into to Mr. Whitlam? Um, it's sort of dependent also on the writing and the kind of version that the writers have presented in this 
version of of events. You know what I mean? Like, it's a very specific telling of the story the way we do it. Um, so I sort of, you know, kind of start with with that and how he fits in with the jigsaw of the dismissal, the musical. Um, but I listened, I watched and listened to any interview I could find. There's not that many, actually. Right. But, um, you know, it was on Parky, which yeah. was pretty good. That's yeah, pretty that helpful to f- sort of certainly find his kind of wry sense of humour that he's... And kind of see him sort of put that into action with his little, you know... Doesn't smile, doesn't laugh much, Goff, but he's got his eye, very expressive eyebrows and a kind of, you know, little nudge, winks, that kind of thing. Um, and then on terms of his sort of ferocity, which I sort of read a lot of... Um, and heard sort of anecdotal things about, you know, the party room. That sounded like it was just hell for leather sometimes. Paul Keating talked about it just being, like, frightening sometimes with him. He could really kind of lay down the law. Um, So there's a great interview. I think it's Philip Adams, I think, um, from 96 or something. And they go into depth about all the politics at the time and his opinions on... <clears throat> the way that the dismissal happened and the way that he handled Timor and all this sort of stuff. So you, that's a very kind of serious goff that I kind of go back to before the show like a couple of times a week just to kind of remind myself of where his equilibrium is, you know, that kind of thing. And So I've just got kind of like a hand, like a toolkit of things to kind of tap into for various moments of the show. Because he's one of those great Australian mm. characters, uh, like Don Bradman, I suppose, Joan Sutherland. Everyone has their opinion on who that person is and was, and they, they carry it into the theatre with them, I guess. So, oh, for sure. So there's a, a big, uh, uh, I imagine, a, a lot of pressure on you to to deliver mm. that. Mm. Um, I think of his voice print. You know, he has that that cadence in his voice, that particular so particular rhythm. Yeah, yeah. And not, it's actually not. Oh, this is maybe not such an interesting comment, but for me it was interesting to note that it's not that deep. It's kind of foggy. It's kind of, you know, it's very forward, but um, he's not like a full kind of baritone, which I think I would have just automatically gone... Because he's a big man. Yeah, he's, he's a big man. Six he's, four, he's four or something. Yeah, so yeah. six five maybe even. Um, anyway, that was interesting from a technic- kind of technical side of things. <laughs> yeah. to, get in, to get in there. Yeah. Um, uh, what about his his gait? You know, because he had a particular. Yeah, again, it was hard to find him videos and clips of him walking. There's a bit in China when he went to China walking across the wall or whatever. But because I'm only six foot and a bit, yeah, I had to sort of we kind of fiddled with the suit a bit. I got a bit of kind of shoulder work going on in the suit. Um, but he's very economic, I think, maybe because he was such a big man that his silhouette is very if you look at it you kind of go oh yeah you could see him from a mile off and go that's Goff because he's the way that he hangs his arms and the way that he tilts his head he's always looking down on people so for me you know there's a couple of there's a Joe who's in the show is 6'4 so I'm always looking up at him but I have to sort of manufacture some sort of status there physical status which is usually the sort of tilt of the head and that, you know, looking down over his eagle nose. Well, the dismissal, the <laughs> musical, what's it? A very serious musical, is it? A very serious musical comedy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great new addition to uh, the Australian musical theatre canon. 
Um, you know, it proves again that, you know, any narrative, almost any narrative, can be turned into a musical as long as the, the characters can sing, the story can sing. And there's a, a, a wonderful array of characters within the dismissal surrounding the actual historical event of the dismissal. Yeah. Uh, and we see them um, all have an opportunity to sing yes. in this new musical. Yeah, too many opportunities. Like, not enough for me, I'd say. Um, everyone gets... There's, a, there's some bangers in there, you know, there's some great um, uh, vocal moments for, for the main characters in the show. There's, yeah, there's heaps of standout songs. Um, mm. Do you remember much of the actual... I mean, you're probably... You're younger than I am, so I barely I, remember it. I was born in <laughs> April of 75. Right, OK. And he was dismissed in November. When were you born? Can we say that on air? Yeah, yeah, sixty-seven. There you go. Um, and I so, so I would have been uh, eight. And I I do remember yeah. I do remember Norman Gunston standing on the steps and talk, but, yeah, not not completely aware no, but, of what was happening. But I thought, you know, this bizarre convergence yes. of of the clown, someone and, that you'd watched on the Gunston show, or whatever. Exactly. And, now he's and then these serious politicians. Yeah. Of how how do they? merged yeah. together and that's a wonderful device of the musical too having Gunston the character of Gunston as, as a narrator yeah I, I think that's genius the way that they've done that <clears throat> um, I'd love it to be you know or I'd love it to be but there's a, there's probably another version of the show where you could do it purely as a Gunston show mm. and just have these characters come out and, and, and see it fully through but I love how they kind of Norman comes and goes sets the show up sets act two up Pops in, does his little, sprinkles it with, you know, shits and giggles, and then leaves the the narrative alone for a while, and we can sort of do our stuff. But it's very clever the way they've put that together. I've got a copy of the miniseries, which I think was made in the eighties, with um, Max Phipps as, yeah. as Whitlam and John Stanton as Fraser. Yeah, and Nancy Hayes as Rex Connor's secretary. Oh, really? That's why they. And that's what she plays. Yeah, or her that's voice. A, that's the meta joke there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Nancy it might have been her first screen role. No, maybe not. But um, so that that was another little clever little funny thing that they they noticed that Nancy was in that mini series, and so yeah, they've recorded her as a as a voiceless, formless, voiceless uh, voiceover secretary. Because they did pick up you know, Peter Carroll's in in the musical, and Peter Carroll was the narrator true. of the TV That's series. true. So it there's another true. another connection there. Interesting. Mm. I didn't know that. I'd forgotten. So I've got a copy of that. I must. I'm, and I've been looking forward to watching it again. So yeah, well, just yeah, interesting to see what it's, what it's like now. <laughs> um, <coughs> the dismissal, the events of the dismissal, could almost be an opera as well. They're, mm. they're big themes. It's a Shakespearean story. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. Um, but uh, in in the way that they've kind of grabbed onto Norman, it's, it's such an Australian thing to have a, like a comic figure front and centre of the, the, the biggest, you know, political moment in our history. And then, the, uh, did you see where after it all happens and he sort of wanders over to the side and Bob Hawke's there and he puts the mic in front of Hawkey? It's like, oh, a bit too serious for yeah, that, yeah, Norman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, it's a wonderful It's moment. just like, so yeah. I think it's fitting that we sort of have a foot in both camps with the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so let's go back to April 1975 and the events thereafter <laughs> the birth of Justin Smith um, so yes um, 
this this acting urge, this acting bug. When did that start to emerge? We um, a show off as a kid. And- uh, I have I had five older brothers and sisters, three boys at the top, and two girls, and then eight years later, me. So I have a big gap between me and the next number five in the family. So you know, I was I had a lot of attention. I guess they they were captive audience for me. Um, uh, but my brother Anthony, who's the third eldest, who you've met, um, he was—he's basically he's the instrumental in me, sort of, <clears throat> kind of forging a path with it. He would constantly be doing home. We had a Super 8 camera. He oh, was always yeah. doing puppet shows. He was always writing scripts and getting all the neighbours' kids to to come and you know play different roles and I'd be sort of front and center in some of those like that you know that the detective you know when I was four years old walking around with you know glasses on and a police cap and just silly stuff like that and um solving all the crime and all the teenage kids kind of at my feet you know that kind of thing um but he was also a great fan of musicals um and he was also a very good musician and pianist and was constantly playing the piano or playing albums and kind of um, teaching me and you know was working at Her Her Majesty's Sydney which isn't there anymore Um, so that was when I was working there like 84 so I was in year four I just started sort of doing I've been doing choir at school and we went I went to Aloysius College and we had a music teacher there called Murray Shortus who was who bought all these violins he said this this is the way to teach children <clears throat> how to use their ear musically because it's a fretless instrument we had to we all had these violin ensembles like you know all the rugby kids had to play violin it was really amazing that's a much um, nicer choice than the, the recorder uh do you think <laughs> I don't know I think they're on par <laughs> some of the sounds coming out of some of these violins were horrific but she was a bit of a genius, really. Um, I've gone on a tangent. Um, yes, so I'd already done... Yeah, so I'd already sort of started learning violin and singing in her choirs, which were... Aloysius was famous for their choirs. They recorded a couple of albums, and so I was sort of part of that and sort of realised I could sing. And Aunt Anthony was a singer as well, and he's like, well, you've got a good voice. Um, and he he was working at Her Majesty, so we'd sneak in and I'd see all these musicals, you know, back in the day. Um, you know, My Fair Lady was on and Evita and all those sorts of great shows. So I really got a love of that excitement, that feeling of the lights going down and, and seeing all these extraordinary shows. And an easy education too, because you're sitting there, you're watching, yep. you're learning by osmosis. That's right, yeah. yeah. And... Um, and he was also at that stage um, doing his teacher's degree at um, Catholic University in North Sydney and he'd write musicals and he'd write roles for me so he, he wrote a musical called Dogs in 85. <laughs> oh, that, so that was before Cats, no? No, no, no it was like Cats. at the same, it was, but it was uh, mm-hmm. yeah, just after Cats. Yeah, mm-hmm. we did Dogs, which was hilarious. There's a recording somewhere. I should have brought that in for you. Right. Um, was there a, a humping leg chorus? Or? Surely. I can't remember exactly, but there's a car crash and dog got run over. That was the main tragic moment in the show. Right. Um, so I did that and they did Smike. They did a lot of musicals at, at, uh, at North Sydney Teachers College. Um, Camilla Akin was involved in that as well, so she was kind of 
around and they were good mates and she was very supportive. Um, rest in peace, Camilla. Um, yeah, so that was kind of, I just got saturated with it, with with him, basically. Um, and he sort of had, had a hand in, in our older brother, Michael, sort of getting into it too, because Mike was, he was just a footy playing kind of, you know, he was a good student and stuff, played guitar, had, had a band. And then um, he, uh, that would have been 86 or something, they were doing Are You Lonesome Tonight, <clears throat> which was a fabulous show about Elvis. Um, Martin Short. Martin Shaw. Martin Shaw. Martin Shaw. Yeah. 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 Martin Shaw. Let's see Martin Short play Elvis. Yes. That um, would be a very different oh, show. Is, is there anything you can't do? Yeah, um, Martin Shaw, that's right. Amazing performance. That was, I saw that about 50 times probably. Um, and Mike just did an open audition at Anthony's suggestion and he got the role, the role of the, the young Elvis in that. Anyway. Um, so uh, was Anthony able to get 10% from you? <laughs> he should have. Like, oh. He should have. Yeah. Yeah, he should have. He had. He was very supportive, and yeah. yeah. Oh, Michael is now in London. Yeah, yeah. Michael's in in the south of Lynn, Suff, Surrey, Sussex. I always get them confused with his family. Yes, yeah. He's done a bit of work over there, but he's also a chiropractor. So yeah, he's. he's oh, that's sensible to have that other string to your bow. Do you have another string? I do not. You do and my parents would have loved me to do that. I'm like, oh, I don't think I can do anything else. I'll just do this. I'll just put everything I've got into this. See how I go. So are your folks happy about a career in the arts? Every conversation I have with my dad is like, well, man, any, any work? Going? Dad's a man of few words, but yeah. he's a worry what. So I can't imagine the sleepless nights I've given him for the, you know, with this career, but they're very supportive. They come to everything multiple times and, you know, um, going through university, I was, I worked a bit, but I didn't work as much as they'd like. So that was certainly helping me out at uni. I couldn't have done it without them for sure. What's well, certainly a career that requires a lot of resilience, a lot of perseverance, yeah. a lot of luck. Really. Absolutely. I've been lucky. I've been really lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you think that you're getting more work now that you're older? Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I've sort of possibly hit that age where, I don't know, like people might have kind of moved on to other things and I'm the last man standing Less competition in some <laughs> respects. Um or, yeah, I think maybe, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. It's, it's such an in, intangible thing, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, can you recall that first time that the agent called and said, oh, I've got to casting for you, and you go up to it, and it's the role of a father. And we both know in film and TV, fathers are much younger than in real life yeah, too, so yeah. it's almost yeah, scarier, kind yeah. of. I don't remember that first phone call, actually, but I've certainly, yeah, played a few. Um, are you a graduate from any training? Well, Victorian College of the Arts. You went to the VCA. Yeah, dramatic, a Bachelor of Drama. Yeah, right, right. great school. I yeah. think I'm not sure if we graduated around the time that same time. I feel um, like that's I where I met you. Yeah, it was around that time. Well, I, I came to I Perth was... in '98. Were you still there? Oh no, '96. I graduated. '96. So you were the year before me. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. You came to Perth on tour, or no? I just came over to see a couple of mates in their graduation right. show. Because uh, Ditch, Ditch was there, was coming there. to see Ditch's, yeah. Ditch's last show. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. But we have a lot of mutual friends back then. I think we just kind of, I feel like we, you know, hung out a bit. Brady, 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 Brady. Yeah. Um, yes, a few mates. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All, all um, being thrown into the industry and uh, that excitement of sort of where, where is it going to go? What's, yeah. what's going to happen? 
Um, and then you start to realise how bloody hard it is. It's so hard. Yeah. yeah. But I think, I don't know, maybe I, I find it, I'm, I'm very superstitious. I don't really like to talk about it too much the way that I have been lucky for sure. Um, but maybe because I didn't ever, um, you know, consider any sidebar activity, I have to just, you know, get my fingers in as many pies as I could, voiceovers, all that sort of stuff, just to try and, mm. you know, make it through. Mm-hmm. Luck, yes, but you've got to be able to deliver as well. Yeah. If you if you are selected, and yeah. you have copious times, um, and in the original Australian productions of a lot of big shows too, um, Rent, yeah. Rent, everybody wanted to be part of Rent. It was, they did. It was taking the world by storm. Yeah. Um, and I think there was quite. We didn't quite take Australia by storm. Didn't it? Well, I think we did about eight months. Right. Which was not. And they wanted to go longer. No, I think I don't think they. Oh, did they? Maybe they did want to go longer, but if it, it didn't, it didn't book out. Because it was a commercial day. season, wasn't it? It yeah. wasn't part of a substance. No, it was Cam Mac right, yeah. with Sydney Theatre Company were involved to some degree. We did, I think, we did four months in Sydney and then four months in Melbourne. That was it. I was like, oh, that's not quite what we had in mind. Right. It was amazing. Great cast. Um, it was quite an extensive uh, casting yeah, period. It was as huge. Well, was wasn't it? Everyone was queuing up around the block to do. Did you have to go back many times? Or- Recalls. I went back. Uh, well, on that one day, I think I went back in about three times. Um, it was at um, Kinsella's. Did you go in for it? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so I remember going, out, going, walking the streets, learning monologue, bits of songs, going back in, doing a bit more, and then, um, and then months later, having to go back in and do the final thing. Um, yeah, which was was crazy. It was yeah, it was very kind of mad. It wasn't very streamlined that process. Was, yeah, but but the genre is but it was a rock genre, mm. um, which is what you're singing at the moment, I suppose. In the dismissal, it seems to be well. all I've been doing. I thought I'd be doing. I don't think I've ever done a proper. But you obviously classical would, music. would have a legitimate voice. Well, that's what I'd started out with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um. But I guess well when when I was sort of when I sort of hit fourteen fifteen there was a great theatre youth theatre company at Glen Street called Forest Youth Theatre Company that was run by Lachlan Philpot's dad Bob Philpot and his mum Penny Philpot. Oh. Um, Brady, so Mark Brady, who's our mutual friend, went through that. His and his mum and dad just was there. Sharon yeah. Millerchip, Josh Congtart, um, uh, Stephen May, lots of amazing performers have come out of that. Yeah, so we we were that was our playground. So I played Jesus in the Superstar when I was fifteen. I just kind of rocked in, and everyone was like, "Who'd done the previous few years of shows?" And this is asshole coming in and taking the lead role. And then we all became great mates, and we we still are. Um, and then yeah, yeah. So that was a that was f- that formative kind of playground kind of vibe there. I think that's the common experience with community theatre. <laughs> you know, you, 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 when you walk into an established sort of relationships and uh, somebody who always gets the, yeah. the leading role or the yeah. supporting character. Yeah. And you're Apple cart, what? A little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it took me a while to win win them over, the kids. But it was an amazing experience. Yeah. Um, rent. But, of course, um, one of your first shows was Bent. I only mentioned Bent because it rhymes with Brent. I think, where did you get that from? 
Have you not done Bent at no. the University of Melbourne Guild Theatre? Oh, God. Yes, I did. But that's... Uh, no. No, I haven't done that. 91? No. Well, it's, it's somewhere. That's I, someone... I've got it. three IMDb credits that aren't mine. Is there another Justin Smith around? There's an American Justin Smith actor. Right. Yeah, I've got a couple of his credits on my right. <laughs> But I'm wondering whether that's just... I did do a workshop production of something after drama school, but that wasn't until, like, 98. Um, yes, I think I don't think that's I think that's not been attributed to me correctly. Okay, so uh, to so the listener, can, if you can just wipe that from the record, yep. Justin Smith <laughs> did not do bent. I didn't do bent, but I thought you were going to say in '92 I did Superstar with John Farnham. That well, was, exactly. That was going to be a lovely segue <laughs> from your work at French's Forest, where you played uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, um, your professional debut was in JC Superstar. Mm. Uh, magnificent! I saw it spectacular arena production with um, with. John Farnham and Kate Sabrina. Mm-hmm. How exciting was that? That was amazing. It was just... I don't know if I'd be allowed in that show now. I was... Was I 16? 17, maybe. Um, oh, maybe you're allowed to be in shows at 17. Are you? you don't need to have a chaperone. A chaperone, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> it was eye-opening. Um, yes, we all... We all, like all those friends from Forest Youth and, and the rest of the industry turned up to Footbridge to do the open... Auditions. Was that an audition your brother suggested? I think everyone just knew about it. Everyone was like, might as well just go for a bit of fun. I didn't have any hope of getting in that show. Richard Ware, director? Yeah, eventually. um, Originally, they didn't have a director on board when we when we both when we all got cast. But Richard came in. Yep, yep. He he certainly directed it from from the time rehearsal started. Who produced it? Harry M. Miller. Oh, that's right. That was big. Um, Miller production, yeah. 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 Of course, because he originally bought Superstar to Australia. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, interesting man. Yes. Formidable yeah. person. Yeah. Not, I, I, I don't think I'd said two words. I don't think he said two words to me the whole time. But right. Well, you were a, a newbie, 17 year old, making oh, yeah. your debut. Yeah. Um, uh, how wonderful, though, to sit back and watch Farnham uh, oh, sing God. that score every, every night. night. Yeah. We'd go. I've told this story a few times, but there'd be lots and lots of parties. Like, we'd go to nightclubs because we had our passes, we'd get into all these places. And he'd come, you know, he'd sort of come in the side door and, you know, and he'd jump up and if there's a band on, he'd jump up and sing a couple of songs at two in the morning, you know, and then get up and just rip the show apart again the next day. Just not unbreakable. John Stevens trying to keep up with him was interesting to watch. Like he was amazing as well, don't get me wrong, but like Farnham was just incredible. Yeah. It's just there's no there's not enough superlatives for it. But. Um Warlow uh, was mm. originally cast as pilot mm. and then uh, I think he, he That's when they fell ill during the um mm. during the run and John Waters took over. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Johnny Waters, he was amazing as well. And then he left and Peter Carroll did it. Oh gee for the last Three weeks or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think Pete was originally going to do it before Waller, maybe. Well, that's the story he tells. Right. Um, uh, they couldn't do it. And then it, you know, came full circle and he finished finished up. And Angry Anderson is here. Yes. <laughs> the most bizarre casting bizarre. ever. Yeah. But I suppose you can do anything with the Herod, really, can't well, you? Well, yeah, they did. Yeah. yeah, he was sort of head-banging kind of Texas oil baron kind of, I don't know quite what sort of... Did he? He wasn't. Uh, somebody else didn't take over during the run. No, he did the whole run. He did the whole thing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 
Well, I didn't have anything else to do. Yeah. <laughs> Sit in the dressing room and knit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it was knitting. That, but, yeah. That's what Rich Livermore used to do. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can imagine that. <laughs> uh, Billy Elliot is an extraordinary part of your career. Yes. Um, again, an original uh, Australian production yeah. of, of, of the show. I think we got it in Australia after London. Mm-hmm. Before, 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 New before New York. York. Yes, yeah, we're yeah. sort of used as a kind of dummy run for New York. They could fix a few things. But playing uh, Billy's brother Tony in the, the 2007 debut of it in Australia and then returning as his dad yeah. in 2019 yeah. so, so playing two generations yeah not the first person to do that actually the oh, original really? I've forgotten his name now the original guy that played Tony and went back and played the dad right. so um, and it like when does that happen it's, it was so magic to be able to because they're very they're sort of characters cut from the same sort of cloth but in different times of their life and responding to these Events and and he, you know his brother or son's ambitions in a different way it was a great opportunity. And having done it the first time, I suppose mm. you know coming back to play dad, uh, you, you're well informed about yeah. the dynamics and the perspectives yes. explored in that yeah. in that musical. Yeah, and and as I say, it's just the responses from the two different characters are yeah different and. Yeah, it was really enlightening to kind of tweak that stuff that I'd already, that category come in with all that sort of knowledge and then had to kind of, you know, reshape it. Was there ever any talk that you might have been able to play it elsewhere in the world? There was not. Because, <laughs> of course, uh, uh, Genevieve Jen, Lemon, Jen went to London. Played, yeah. played the dance teacher in the West End. Yes. Um, oh, I thought that would have been nice for you. Well, I think, I mean... Possibly in 2007, I think Richard Piper, who played the dad then, who's a, now a great friend of mine, I think there was talk of him going to do it as well because he's from England originally. Uh, I don't think they would sort of take a, someone from who played the brother to do it overseas. But and and that second version, uh, there wasn't there wasn't uh, production on anywhere else around the world at that stage. Had you had your children when you played Tony? I had one when I played Tony. He was, uh, how old was he? One and a bit, yeah. Oh, we started rehearsals, yeah. He was just turned one, yeah. And so be, being a dad yourself, did that, do you think that informed you to play, yeah. play Jackie? Yeah, no. oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. Like, there was no trouble accessing all that fatherly emotion uh, night after night, watching him watching those kids do those that amazing routine in act two and um yeah yeah no there was a lot to tap into as a father for that it was yeah it was a really real treat would you be happy if, if your kids became actors <laughs> i think i think we're out of the woods in regards to that um would i be happy i don't know I, i'd be i mean i i'd be happy for them to follow their dreams but yeah I'd probably end up more like my father on the phone every day going, have you been on to your agent about this? And like, oh, can you imagine? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I don't think. I don't uh, think we're going <laughs> to... Not going to go. No. Um, Out of the Woods is a lovely segue into Into the Woods, another show about fathers and sons. Yes, absolutely. Again, that same sort of area with, which is... Yeah, it was such a... I've always wanted to do that show and... Doing it with Peter, Carol, again, keeps coming up in my... Actually, just a sidebar, when I 
I did um, Cherry Orchard at the Sydney Theatre Company just before Harper was born at my first, my eldest, in uh, 2000. When was he born? 2006. I remember having panic attack backstage, just freaking out about being a dad, being an actor. How do I provide for... And Peter walking over to me with a paper bag. And he just breathed into that. And then, and then he just talked to me and said, you know, they just, it just will work out. It works out, you know? They, that, what's that saying? A, a, a baby brings a loaf of bread? Yeah. yeah. But he was very great, uh, very um, sweet with me then in that moment. <laughs> and he's sort of, yeah, he's, he's dotted through my career, which has been nice. Anyway, yeah, we ended up on Into the Woods most recently before the dismissal playing father and son is it not too oh spoiler alert um <laughs> <laughs> i think i think people are pretty familiar with the narrative well, of into the woods yeah yeah you know but um that's uh, one of my favorite i think one of my favorite moments in theater singing that song with him in act two it's such a beautiful which scene a beautiful song yeah but also for any um why does it say any child with any parent but uh, you know it's that that father um, son relationship, which can be so difficult to navigate. I don't. I, I mm. was I get on much better with my mum. Dad's passed now, but mm. I know that Dad loved me. But it was always a difficult relationship to to have a conversation or to. Yeah. Y- you always seek their approval. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right, isn't it? I don't want to be that dad to them. I want to try, them. but I think I got. And no, them because I'm like, how, how are you feeling? Like, what did you tell me? Tell me what about that girl? They're like, oh, shut up! Shut up! Well, it's a generational thing too, I guess. It is for sure. Yeah. yeah. My dad, even even now, you know, he's the most generous, supportive man. But he's a he's a child of the depression. He's a he's a you know, you shake hands and you know, don't I always try and give him a big hug just to kind of mess with him and so I could just, oh yes yeah, hello good morning morning Stin yeah, love, love you you know yeah. as a kid my brother is only 13 months younger uh, and every time we me put his hand out and it was like oh do you have to fucking squeeze my hand so hard it's not you know it's about I'm a bloke I'm a bloke I, now I just hug him and he's this is your of, younger yeah, brother yeah, so that's stiff, great stiffens a little bit come but, on um, come on, come on give it. us a hug yeah, give us come a hug. on squeeze he's getting much better much better yeah, that's right. Well, that's sort of like, I don't know, you know, parents kind of get, there's a lot of pressure on parents, but I think it's my responsibility too to understand my dad and kind of yeah. meet him halfway, yeah. you know. Like, I was a petulant teenager and driving them crazy, getting home late, you know, whatever, doing all that stuff. So it's time now that, you know, we kind of take care of them and understand what, where they're, yeah, where yeah. they're at. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. The circle of life. Indeed. Elton John. Yeah. Did you mean? Did you, I love all the segues. I did mean. I did mean Elton. <laughs> what was Sir Elton like? Um, oh, just a couple of brief chats. I spent more time with his husband David, who was yeah. delightful, actually. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, you know, I don't know what it's like to everyone, but he was. They were. Well, he was. I guess he was a producer. Yeah. I guess he actually had. They yeah, They had a hand in that first production, at least. David was around a lot. He was very supportive. He was nice. Yeah. Mm. Good. Um, I think Elton loves that show, and he and yeah, the 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 two thousand eighteen was it twenty eighteen? Okay, seventeen, seventeen, nineteen, nineteen. <laughs> it was just before the pandemic. I know we got shut down yeah. by the pandemic, yeah. which was just tragic. 
Yeah, he was. There was like uh, at the lyric at the star at um at the lyric. One moment, can't talk. The lyric theater at the star. Um, there was like whispers that someone's. Oh, they've they've closed the upstairs. No one can go upstairs. You can't enter the. Right. All right. Well, that can only be one person. And sure enough, just the lights go down and Elton pops up on the the balcony box. It was cute. And who'd have ever thought, Elton John, I mean, master composer of The Lion King, Billy Elliot, Aida. <laughs> yeah, funny, and, hey? And all of it, fantastic. Yeah. Great, um, yeah. great yeah. scores. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's clever. Can write a tune. Yeah, can write a tune. Write a tune. Which is, I saw something recently. What, what show was he on? It wasn't Jimmy Fallon. It was something like that. They, had, they picked a couple of things from the audience, some song title subject matter and he put it together and on the spot wow. just improvised it wow. really I was like oh you've gone up in my, even further in my estimation impressive impressive yeah. um, Into the Woods Assassins another sometimes show that you've done which assassin did you play Sambic I thought the way you looked at me then I thought I didn't do assassins no no no, no <laughs> you're right I was just like oh, characters names yeah I did I, another father father Christmas Okay, sure. <laughs> nice segue, Pete. <laughs> I don't know if I can give you that one. Ah, uh, oh, that was a joy that show as well. I didn't get to sing in it really, but no, it's no, just Sam monologues. Mick, he's got the big monologue, hasn't yeah, he? About that um, was so much fun though. About Leonard Bernstein and oh, uh, just Maria loses and, his mind. Yeah. yeah, it's a great show. This I think Sontime talks about that show as being, as far as idea to page or stage. I think he was the most satisfied with Assassins, the way that the. Mm the score kind of comes together with the narrative. And, um, and you know, he often cops criticism that um, the first acts are more satisfying than the second acts. Oh. But Assassins, all the, the just I fires all the way through. Oh, yes. Oh, I sorry, I see what you mean. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I, I. Yeah, well, Sunday in the Park gets a lot of criticism for that, doesn't it? Mm. I think Into the Woods Act 2 is a joy. Like, I know people are going, should you just finish your interval? No, that's the whole point of it, is yes. that you're seeing what happens you've after you get your wish. Yeah, you've got all that set up. Tick, tick, boom. Uh, <laughs> now, of course, we've just seen a, a tour of that. Um, I, mm. I didn't realise it had been done before in Australia. Oh, yes. But obviously you... you were... Directed by J. James Moody. Oh, did you do a Squabble Logic? Uh, it wasn't Squabble Logic right. then, but that was before he started the company. Right. Um, he was just a whippersnapper. Did you play Larson? No. Right. Tyron Park played Larson. Oh wow. And and the glorious Mel Stewart was in with in it with us as well. Right. Um that was yeah, that was a funny little production at NIDA. Um it's a flawed show. Right. So is Rent though, actually. Yeah. You know, but um Rent for different reasons and didn't get to finish it, I guess, but well, that's right, because he died on opening night, didn't he? And Ooh, he yeah, well, or the, around then, or a preview then, or something, because you know that he would have continued to tinker with the, oh, it needed, with the show. It's still, I think, yeah, it's just sort of set in stone now. Mm. Um, you play a very good villain. I Do mean, I? We talk about all those paternal roles, but um, I'm thinking the Bangara show, Woojah, oh, not yeah. in the past. Um, well, it's hard not to be a villain in that story, isn't yeah. it? But yeah. <laughs> Harrowing. I was just like, it's one thing being a, a, a Disney villain, if you like. Yeah. But when you are a real life, yeah, presence villain, 
uh, yeah. um, surrounded by you know all, all those indigenous performers. I, I imagine oh. that could be quite quite a challenge. It just kind of sent me back into having shivers down my spine being in that. Yeah, yeah I hadn't, I hadn't, uh, I'd done one Aboriginal Torres Strait Island play, Long Forgotten Dream before that. So I had, that was, I think, my only real experience of working with First Nations people on there, telling their stories. And so it was a real privilege to get to do that at Bangara and I just sort of sat sat back quietly and let it all happen. You know, it wasn't really my place to kind of chime in much, particularly. I did musically, I did, I guess. We kind of wrote the songs a bit together. Well, no, that's not quite true, but, you know, I certainly helped a bit shape it and stuff. Um, yeah, it was such a privilege to do that show. It was hard. <laughs> Thank God it was only an hour 15 or something every night, but... Yeah, it's sort of sort of embodying all our guilt, white guilt from you know two hundred yeah. years. Powerful piece, powerful piece, and that's mm. what you want your theatre to be, don't you? I mean, you, there's a place for for entertainment, but also oh, for sure you want you want to you want to take away a message. It's yeah. cliche, but you want to learn. Absolutely, but, you know, I go to the theatre because I want to learn. Yeah. yeah, and that's why I love doing this show at the moment, the dismissal, which is. I think it's it's sort of saying we have we have an, uh, a a role a big role to play as citizens and we have to engage we have to not let that sort of thing happen again yeah. you know um, they they these people work f- for us we've got to kind of and now more than ever like right now people are not informing themselves enough yeah. so I'm not very hopeful of the way it's going to go with it. Yeah. But hopefully I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, you've, through your career, you know, you've, you've had mm. a variety of experiences, shows like Rent and Billy Elliot, where I guess because they're already established as productions, the, the creative process is probably limiting in that, you know, you have to hit that mark and yeah. go to that square at that particular time. Yeah. It must be very rewarding then to, to work on shows like The Dismissal and... Double championship wrestling, <laughs> where you're there f- almost from the ground up and yeah. having able to have a say in the way that your character evolves. Absolutely, yeah. Um, uh, that's such a joy, yeah. And and to their credit, Jay and Blake and, and Laura were very open to all our thoughts. I come up with lots of silly, stupid joke ideas. Most of them have stayed in there, which is like... <laughs> I get all my like little kind of gold little gem moments of shits and giggles that I like to try to get in there. <laughs> Any opportunity for another joke? Um, yeah, that's right. Um, but but you know the other shows that you you kind of step in that are established, are, it's just a different challenge. And if they're any good, the creatives, then they let you kind of you know find your own way through it. Certainly, Stephen um, Stephen Daldry is one of the greatest directors I've ever worked with he we only had him for <clears throat> three weeks and it's so hard to put my it's so hard to explain what makes a great director but he had a way of of making you feel like you're the most important person to him in that moment like that basically and I think I've heard him say this that you you want your actor to feel like you're in love with them so that they would do anything for you 
and that I really felt that his intelligence, but also his his passion and support and love for the piece and for performance and for yeah was. Did he start as a, a stage director or yeah, a he, screen director? No, he was sta- stage. He he ran. Um, uh, oh God, what's the what's the theatre company in London where they do the new work? No, no the, the new work. Oh come on, the old. It's in it's in um, <laughs> it's in Chelsea. Oh, anyway, somebody is. Can you edit this? Listening? No, no. Look it up. Look it up. This is podcasting. This is. Uh, oh, this is. Where's my in, brain? In real time. Sorry, it's my, it's my day off. My brain's not. It's a day off. Properly. You're not not, um, not thinking about things. I like can that. still talk while I do this. Of course you can talk while we can both talk. This is this is a uh, <laughs> real thing. Yeah. Somebody's found it already at home. Yeah, that's They've right. They've got quicker thumbs. Yeah. So, so, so they're finding that. But uh, Doldry, of course, has um, Royal Court. Royal Court, of course. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, of course. So he ran the Royal Court for right, a long time. Right, right. And he directed the film of Billy Elliot. Yes. Before, before the I, stage. Yeah. Production. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've talked a lot about the musicals. Uh, of course, your, your resume is full of plays as well. At Griffin and Belvoir and Sydney Theatre Company and. Uh, mm and other um, such companies. Mm. Um, do you enjoy one more than the other? I mean, a, a, a straight theatre or musical theatre? Uh, it's, it, or it's, or it's the standard answer of it's what you're working on at the time. Well, it's true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it depends. And it also depends on the show, I guess. Um, one of my favourite things I've done is The Floating World at Griffin which is written by John Romerell, um, Australian playwright. Came out of the Pram Factory years, that kind of thing. And the role is the entertainment officer in that, which is, it's kind of a dreamscape. It's it's about PTSD. This main character is back from Vietnam. They go on a cruise to Japan. And so he's having these kind of psychosis events on the way. And the the entertainment officer on board becomes sort of part of that kind of weirdness. So we get to do all these set pieces, these big rambling monologues that are like quick fire. Um, it took me ages to get my mouth around. It's just so brilliantly written. It's such a great play, so underrated for Australian audiences. Like it, it really is um, our, our story of so many of those men that came back from Vietnam and were broken. And he just the way he, the way he managed to weave that into that piece. So I get to do, you know, I had to do a bit of singing in that. So it was a bit of everything. That's always fun. Um, it is a bit what you're doing at the time. Um, I haven't done much Shakespeare. I'd love to do some more Shakespeare. But well, I'm reading Shakespeare's R and J, which oh yeah, that was great. Wasn't a, a, one of Shakespeare's plays, but it was a, 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 a mesh of yeah. Of, there was no modern language in it. it was all it was four schoolboys. Four schoolboys that discovered the Romeo and Juliet text and kind of explore their sexuality through it as well. Um, that was some of the most difficult moments on stage. When the school kids came, the school performances for that show were, because there was a lot of kissing, and they, the kids would lose their minds. Right. Uh, to the point where we'd have Q&As after, and the teachers would be like, what do, you, what do you expect me to say to them now? How do I explain that to them? I'm like, well, uh, What? You didn't it's, look into the show before you booked yeah, it? Yeah, but also, like, it's not my job, you know. Yeah. It was yeah, it was intense. Screaming, like, in the kissing moments. It was just, like, losing, like, out of their seats, kind right. of bonkers. Like. 
Because they're confronted. Yeah. yeah. Two boys kissing. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You didn't have to kiss anyone in the mousetrap, though. No. <laughs> Again, I didn't, didn't realise the mousetrap had been done. I should, I should have realised it had been done before. The, the, the Very successful. We, we had... I don't think we had an empty house for that whole tour. The way that, that people are so um, in love with Agatha Christie. Um, yeah, that was that was fun. I loved doing that, the mousetrap. Doing that kind of old, sort of what some people might call dusty kind of piece, but we kind of we didn't like reinvent it or anything, but it was a modern sensibility and kind of I, yeah, it was fun. Well, that's the thing as an actor, isn't it? To 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 find the right stylistic approach for the work that you're working on. Absolutely. Um, which theatrical form does this this play or musical? fit within yeah. I mean at the moment the dismissal is it's sort of almost vaudeville and, and rock opera and yeah it's a bit of a mesh I guess But whereas the, the mousetrap is very traditional sort of 1930s yeah yeah has particular style it has yeah. does um, restoration comedy yeah that's or, right that's right yeah melodrama and, uh, that's right yeah and I think that's a big part of the actor's role is sort of tapping into style People don't really talk about that much, I guess, do they? No, but no, but but but, you know, how often have we gone to see a play and there's you know sixteen characters on sixteen actors on on uh, on the stage and they're doing four different plays. That's right. Because yeah. and that's a director's responsibility, isn't it, to uh, to yeah. hone to hone all of those players. Yeah, that's right. And and going back to one of your earlier questions, in terms of preparing for those roles, like there's a different process for each show. Really, yeah. when we did Flea in Her Ear which was, again, one of my favourite things, which is, like, mad, famous farce that Simon Phillips directed, and he's that's, like, his sweet spot. He's so good at yeah. staging that sort of stuff. Yeah. But I played the the fiery Spanish, Spanish man in that. So I had to just go from... I had to find his accent, his voice, and then kind of work back in for that, I guess. Yeah. Um... Uh, I was teaching the play. Well, I have taught the play Ruby Moon by Matt Cameron for several oh, yeah. years. It's a great play, and that was a great production. Yeah, that, that I saw you in. Yeah, that, I loved it. Two-hander. Two yep, yep. Um, in which both of you are never off stage. Never off stage, although except when I'm busting her in the toilet and had to run off stage a couple of times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had to leave Jamie on stage, but she's like. Where are you going? Like, I'll be back. Sing your song. <laughs> Oops. Yes. Um, that's a fabulous play. Matt Cameron's a very clever writer. He's now, well, lost to film L- and TV. Lots of television writing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. He actually wrote Secret City that I did on one of the miniseries. Yep. He, that's a great play. It was play. set in Canberra, wasn't it? Secret City. Yeah. Yeah. Back to Canberra. Back to Canberra. Yeah. I seem to find myself working in Canberra and Adelaide a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Which is weird. Adelaide. So you've done some serial killer. Um, you know, we did Deadline Gallipoli in Adelaide, which was which was set, obviously, in Turkey, but that co- that sort of McLaren Vale out from that coast is a bit, you know, it can double as Turkey quite yeah. well. It's kind of that red, um, arid sort of... Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. Do you read reviews? No. I used to. No. They get in my head. No. It, whichever way they go, you know. And I just, just like, particularly the show like this, I'm just like, I'm not, I'm, re- that's, that's a good thing about getting older. I don't, 
fucking don't care. Don't care as much, but also I'm sort of like, am am I happy with my work? Yes. Am I having fun? Am I enjoying it? Um, you know, you tick all the boxes, and that's that's good enough. And you've got your, your, your close bond of, of mates or family or whatever whose opinion you trust. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. In my industry, friends and family, and yeah, that's that's all that kind of matters. Are you superstitious? In yeah, the a bit. You are. Yeah. Yeah, a bit. I mean, I don't need it to. It goes do... with the whole fun of the theatre, doesn't it? To yeah. Observe those superstitions, but it can again it can get in your head. But again, well. I think the older I've gotten, the less value I put in that stuff. But do you, are you? Uh, I used to be, I think, but but yeah, as I get older, yeah, I I, I will whistle in the dressing room. In fact, yeah. I'll probably do all those things just to piss other people off. Yeah, I mean, there's no fly towers in the dressing room, isn't that? That's no, the whole no. whistle thing, right? No, yes, to warn yeah. you that a sandbag yeah. was coming down yeah. or, or lowering something. Yeah, um, because I mean, it's a job. It's a job. And why pick on the Scottish play? What's wrong with the Scottish play? Why is that bad? Like yeah, well, I say I say Lady Macbeth in it. In this play, I guess it's all right as part of the show you're doing. It's not bad luck, is it? Text, yeah, yeah. Lady McScottish. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, that wouldn't work so well. <laughs> um, well, men and women of Australia. Um, that was terrible. No, that's all right. Oh, was that right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, you can catch the dismissal at the Seymour Centre. Um, when are you play? You playing till October? Till the twenty eighth of October. So still a while ago. Yeah, five great. weeks. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not to be missed. I mean, it, it is one of those uh, wonderful, uh, as I said, a, a wonderful new addition to uh, the Australian Musical Theatre canon. Um, its wit is just so so much fun. Yeah, uh, and and a great score by by Laura Murphy, yep. and and of course the book by J. James Moody and, and Blake Erickson. And it's our story. It's nice to see those on stage. And you're playing with some wonderful actors also. Yeah, everyone's amazing. Bloody... We, we mentioned Mr. Carroll. But uh, Octavia Baron Martin as Sir John Kerr yeah. is—I couldn't imagine anybody else. No, she's brilliant. Matt Whitt doing his best, Gunston. Yeah, yeah which yeah. is not no mean feat. Yeah. And the boy playing Fraser is great too. Andrew Cutcliffe, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it's good. Um, anything after this? Um, Another paternal role or a villainous role? Who knows? Know. I'll start worrying about. Yeah, I'll get to like three weeks out from the end of the run, going, oh god. It's the next job. Well, that's the thing, I guess, isn't it? Sort of like when you're in employment, it's it's fine, but then when you're nearing the end, I feel like it only lasts this like sweet spot of a few weeks. You're going, I'm alright for a while, and then I'm like, oh, where's the next thing? Mm. It'll happen. I hope so. Yeah. But let's not talk about funding cuts from the government. That's another conversation. Yes, let's not. Okay, Justin Smith, thank you. It has been a delight. Thank you, Peter. It's been a pleasure. The Dismissal is now playing at the York Theatre at the Seymour Centre in Sydney. It's playing until October 21st and not to be missed. A wonderful new addition to the Australian canon of musical theatre. Thanks for joining us in this episode. You can check out all of the episodes featured in the podcast thus far by visiting the website www.stagespodcast.com.au. Thanks, everybody. It's been uh, wonderful to have your company here on the Stages Podcast. I'm Peter Eyes. Keep well, keep warm, stay safe. I'll catch you next time on Stages.